I'm going to speak for a bit, then we're going to sing a bit, then I'm going to speak for a bit, then we'll sing a bit. We'll have, uh, our collection will be near the end of the service. I know some of you were wondering when that's going to be. That'll be near the end today. We're going to talk about music, because we're talking about the songs of Asaph. And I know a lot of people pronounce it Asaph, and I did too, until we had some Egyptian members of our church up in Detroit, and they would laugh every time I called him Asaph. And they said, no, it's Asaph. And I went, I will now pronounce it correctly. But he was one of the writers of the Psalms. He wrote Psalm 50 and then Psalm 73 through 83. That's almost all we know about him, but we'll get to that in a minute. Music is so important to us. I, it it, it is just boggles the mind. Not long ago, you didn't get a chance to hear music unless you made music. It wasn't that long ago that the common person couldn't even afford a wind-up Victrola with one record to play over and over and over. It wasn't that long ago that this new thing called transistor radio came out where you could actually carry a radio, an AM radio, high-quality stuff that, and listen to, uh, to bubblegum pop or whatever you wanted to listen to. And then when FM and High Fidelity came out, you could carry a radio here. <laughs> you don't even know what I'm talking about. It was, it's, it, think of your mama's china hutch, about like that. And you were the coolest thing ever, walking with this. And you shared your music with everybody in a four-block area. I can remember when my kids gave me my first little MP3 player, not that long ago, just several years ago now. And I said, oh, that's very nice. And they said, you can put 20,000 songs on there. I went, I, I don't know 20,000 songs. <laughs> and they said, oh, you can learn new ones. And I said, no, no, you can't. Not at this age. Uh, well, all we do is listen to what we used to know. We don't learn anything new at this stage in development. Uh, so I now have uh, 15 songs and, and 2,000 covers of those 15 songs. That's about all I've got. The whole point is music is so important to us. It has such power that when we couldn't go get it, we made it. We sat, we found ways to make music. We gathered, we drive with it today. We run with, well, you run with it. Um, I have a truck, but you run with it. Uh, you, you, play, you play it at work. You play it, uh, we were yesterday following a skateboarder on our way home. He didn't know we were there. He was right in the middle of the road little head earbuds in, and we're just going, you know, he's, it's a good song, evidently. Uh, so we can wait for him. It's a good song. And, and it took a break. He looked back, saw us, and that was fine. We, are, we fill up our phones with it. We fill up our computers with it. Before a modern age, it was just as important, but very hard to get. Music kept the slaves sane and kept their eyes on heaven. Music moved every significant social event from women's suffrage to the rallying volunteers for World War I or World War II or for the end of slavery or whatever you the civil rights movement every significant modern or as, as we trace back movement is started with music even and you're thinking oh not the Renaissance yeah even the Renaissance Baroque music was considered wild and crazy at the time. Beethoven was considered a radical. 
What are you doing with it? You're pounding on that. How does that work? Bach was considered uh, mentally ill for bringing mathematics into music the way he did. And yet, it changed everything. It broke boundaries. Remember the stars coming out on TV with songs after the tsunami, after 9-11, after Katrina. They come out with songs. And we... We donate. We open up our wallets. We open up our hearts. Music has great power. We often will be driving along, and a song will come on the radio, and you'll think, that's our song. You know, my wife, she, we're, down, we're driving down the road, and she'll hear Peter, Paul, and Mary sing, If I Had a Hammer, and she'll say, that's the song I think of every time I look at you. You know, that, that sort of... <laughs> that one um, could be worse. Not sure how, but could be worse. Um, Songs, well, you know this. When you fall in love, young, I'm not talking to the old people, we forgot, but when you fall in love, every song's about you. And then when you fall out of love, you can't listen to those songs anymore. Those are horrible songs. You find other songs, and those will be about you. That we use music. When we read the Psalms, we are reading their songs, their prayer book. Their worship liturgy. We're reading the movement of God's people and faith in very dark times. Very dark times. And a few good times. Asaph was one of David's chief musicians and all else we know about him and the names of his father and grandfather. That's it. We know he was there when the Ark of the Covenant was brought in with all that dancing and excitement. And we know the Psalms he wrote. And that's really it. We're going to read these psalms. Now, I want to give you some options. Uh, I believe in freedom. So I'm going to give you some options. We're not going to project these verses today. You can turn and listen. You can turn and read. You can open up your iPhone or whatever and read them there. We're going to start with Psalm 73. Or you can listen. And let me talk to you about listening. And I don't want to geek you out on science right now. But remember, that's what I do. There is a part of your brain called the insula. The insula is the part that fires during empathetic thought. For example, if you're watching a television show, you're watching and, and the hero there, you're, you're thinking, you're empathizing with what they're going through, that part's lighting up in your brain. If you're reading a very good novel and you're placing yourself in that fiction, that lights up. And if you are listening as somebody else reads it, it is also lighting up. Empathy is transferable by voice. Now that may not mean a whole lot to you, but please remember that societies that use this fiction, music, and oral tradition are the ones that break the bonds of slavery. They're the ones that give rights to women and minorities. They're the ones who treat people with, with rights because of empathy it is transferred the people of this gen this world were an oral tradition people they couldn't go read it the vast majority they had to hear it and it had to light up and then spread that's why Jesus would say you're a light a city on a hill a light in the darkness because one light would light on top of one mountain, that city, and then the next one would light, and that's how it spread 
around. I want you, I want you to think about just listening. You can even close your eyes during part of it, but I'm not going to read the whole time, so if you keep your eyes closed, you're busted. We know you're just asleep. But Psalm 73 could not be more timely than it is right now. It's an unsettled world. ISIS is killing Christians. Hundreds and hundreds of Christians. The oldest Christian community on the planet the Coptic Christians are, and Chaldean Christians are almost now gone. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young girls have been stolen. Nigeria, Sudan, a whole bunch of uh, hundreds of young boys were just stolen in southern Sudan yesterday. On and on, it's, it's unsettled. And we listen to our political leaders and it gets even more unsettled, doesn't it? doesn't matter, left, right, or center, it just gets more confused and nothing gets done. We're terrified. We don't know what to do. We wonder what's going what's gonna to happen and why, why God isn't moving the way we would like for him to move. That's the world he lived in. They were the people of God, but there were enemies on every side. Things were unsettled. And so he writes Psalm 73, I'll read the first three verses and then stop for a moment. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd almost lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now stop, I want you to think for a minute. This was their songbook for worship. When I was a boy, there was a song, we used to have songbooks, they still are in the back of the, the pew, those are kind of like many museums of what we used to use. The, um, there was a song in there that sang about the winds and the waves shall obey thy will, peace be still. Do you remember that one? Our father wouldn't let us sing it because there was a line in it that said, carest thou not that we perish, how canst thou lie asleep? And he said, it's wrong to sing your doubts to God. And I'm thinking... Later on, and I just bought it until I read the Psalms and realized that's the Bible Jesus read. If you didn't know it, that's the Bible Jesus read was the Psalms. He would have known the other books, but the one he would have gone to all the time was the Psalms. That's what they sang. That's what they read. I keep grinding this in because it is expected for you to bring your doubts to God. It's expected for you to wrestle with God. I don't want to insult anybody here, but I've got to use an illustration about a dog and compare us. We had a wonderful border collie in Scotland, we called her Princess, wasn't the height of our creative naming stage. Princess respected me too much. She just did. She would play tug of war with a bit of rope with our neighbors or anybody else. But if I tried to play with her and grab the rope, she let it go. It's like, if you want it? Who am I to take your rope? She would fetch with anybody else. But with me, if I threw it, she would think, he wants it over there. <laughs> she just absolutely adored me and would not go up against me. I couldn't wrestle with her. I've always wrestled with my dogs, not with her. I'd roll her over and it was like, oh, well, I don't know what I did. And I'm going, no, it's, this is fun. Uh, God wants us to wrestle back. 
He wants us to pull back. He wants us to tug back. He wants us to, to stop every so often and go, you know, I know you're good, God. I know you're good. But as for me, I'm slipping here because what I'm seeing doesn't match sometimes what I'm believing. Get used to it. It's a human condition. 73, verses 4 through 12, speaking of the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Think of the rich people you know or you've seen on telly. Television. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous heart comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff, speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten opposition. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance and say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? That's what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Sometimes we think this too, don't we? Why don't Christians win the lottery? Well, most of them don't play it, and I'm told that's a requirement to win it. But regardless... I have a theory on why, by the way, we don't win it. I think it's because we're supposed to support good in community, not as rich individuals. And therefore, God doesn't want one of us to give a billion. He wants a billion of us to give a dollar each. He wants us together to work. But that's just a theory. But here, there are a lot of times. Did you have ice damage? We had ice damage. Wouldn't it be nice to be one of those people that go, here's a check. We, can't, we can do that. The check is not good. <laughs> That's the problem. Sometimes you wonder, if we're God's favorite people, why do they seem to get all the nice stuff? It's all right to ask God that. Listen as he goes on, and even gets a little harsher. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. Can you imagine us singing that in a song? We were just singing glorious, glorious, glorious. Instead of where are you, what's the point, we've been wasting our time. <laughs> Don't write that song, Mark. <laughs> that, that might cause some issues. It's already been written. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. If I'd spoken out like that, and then he stops. He goes, if I'd spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me greatly, deeply, till I entered to, until I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final destiny. He shows you the cure for all of these thoughts, for all these struggles. He says, get to worship. Get to the church. Get around people of God. Because here's the thing, we all stumble, but we don't all stumble on the same day. And if you're around other people when you stumble, they can pick you up. If you're, if you're struggling, we're not all struggling at the same time. There will be strong people and struggling people. We can get through this in community. The community of faith, the called out people, the church. I struggled until I went to the sanctuary. Then he goes on, talking about evil, 
evil people. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They're like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you despise them as fantasies. What's, what, what is going He's saying, I understand that the wicked are not judged every day bit by bit. When wicked people fall, it's sudden. It's just all of a sudden. Top of the world, gone. When God moves, he moves suddenly. He doesn't move every little day like we'd like. And he goes further. Verses 21 and 22. When my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. And he goes on to say, and yet you still held my hand. You still gave me counsel. You still worked with me all the way through it. He said, I, I realize I was out of line, but I only realized it after I went to worship. That's why it is so important to worship. The hottest coal on the planet goes dark and cold when removed from the others. We need each other. We're going to look at one more part of another psalm, and then we're going to call the band back up. In fact, if the band wants to go ahead and come on up and get lined up, that would be fine. Asaph's not afraid to confront the deepest emotions we've got. Look in chapter 74. Sometimes our innate piety keeps us from challenging God the way that he did. But I think we need to remember God not only accepted these challenges, he valued them so much that he put them in Scripture so that we would have them. In fact, I believe we cannot have great faith until we take our debate to God. I believe we cannot have great faith until we challenge God, just like Job, Jonah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and many others did. Psalm 74 is a no-hold-barred challenge to God. I'll read 74, 1 through 9. And then we'll have a couple of songs. Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Remember the nation you purchased long ago, the people of your inheritance whom you redeemed, Mount Zion, where you dwell? Turn your steps toward these everlasting ruins. All this destruction the enemy has brought on the sanctuary. Your foes roared in the place where you met with us. They set up their standards as signs. They behaved like men wielding axes to cut through a thicket of trees. They, they smashed all the carved paneling with their axes and hatchets. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the dwelling place of your name. They said in our hearts, we will crush them completely. They burned every place where God was worshipped in the land. And yet we're given no signs from God. No prophets are left. And none of us knows how long this will be. Psalm 74, the only cure for this was a recitation of the history of God, remembering what happens when we've drawn near to God. Let's see. I don't know what you felt when you sang the songs, but it chills me when we sing, Nearer my God to thee, and then we say, even though it be a cross that raises me. Christians are being crucified, you know. That's happening. What are we saying to God? 
I think what we're saying to God is the same thing Asaph said. In the midst of all of this, I've got to believe in God. I will hold his hand. I will remember who he is, and I will not walk from him. Here's the thing. You might think it's not a sign of good faith to wrestle with God, but if you're wrestling with God, it means you're in contact with him. And if you're not wrestling with God, it could be that you have wandered away from him. You see, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. And if we become apathetic toward God, we're in danger. So in Psalm 75, the cup of judgment, he says, will be passed, poured out upon the wicked. It's a song of triumph and faith, and we need those. We need them. We need songs that deliver the message of Psalm 76, where God is a divine warrior and judge, especially those first three verses of Psalm 76. Psalm 77, in contrast, was written from a place of deep despair, pain. Asaph calls on God and tells him how terrible his pain is and that he's waiting for action. And he reminds God... <laughs> It's always interesting, isn't it? We do that. He, he reminds God that he, God is strong enough to deal with this if he'd like to. Anytime now. Remember, and he goes, remember all that good stuff you did, God? This is a very important aspect of the Psalms of Asaph. He brings history of God into it. If I'm not a journaler, a lot of people are, you know, they'll do a prayer journal or a daily journal, their walk with God journal, and that's brilliant. It really is. But I've tried and I'm, it's the only time in my, in my life that I'm ADHD. And I get that way. You know, and I'm trying, you know, this morning I woke up and I talked with God and, and, and I like pie, you know. And, and just, it goes off. It goes off. I can't do it. But during one period of my life, I kept what I called an evidence book. You might want to try this. Where I would make a note every time that I saw a work of God or an action of God or something that reminded me of God or an answered prayer. And some of it was little and silly and some of it was big and wonderful, but there were days I needed to go read my book because I couldn't see God that day. You need your evidence. And that's what Asaph is doing here. He's collecting it. He's saying, now, I know you're good because I remember this. If you do not know your history... You're in trouble. So Psalm 78, that's all it is, is the history. We can't read it. It takes a long time. Here's the history of God at work. It's his evidence book. It's, it's rather like the songs that are history lessons too. Uh, you may have heard your parents listening to these on the radio. They're uh, Billy Joel's song, The End of the... Uh, I'm sorry, uh, We Didn't Start the Fire. Or R.E.M., It's the End of the World as We Know It. My wife and I were at Stirling Castle, that's right in central Scotland, uh, and they, we saw they were setting up a whole bunch of, of bleachers and, and such, and we asked what was going on, and this was at the very end of, um, uh, of the, uh, y, or rather the start of the Y2K thing, and it was in the fall of that year, and REM was coming over, and they were going to do the End of the World as We Know It tour. How comforting. But those songs, what are they? One line after another or a word after another about the history, how we got here, what happened to bring us here. Songs do that. We sing faith of our fathers to do that. 
but we need to remember the history of God at work in our lives. Psalm 79 is a heartbreaking song. It's very sad, it's very short. It just basically says, please help. We have some songs like that, and sometimes we need them. And Psalm 80 and 81 really work together. Asaph asks for deliverance from, from God's righteous anger. Wait a minute. Now he's saying, back off a bit, God. You're being too rough on us. But he realizes this time we're the evil ones. You see, there's the problem with calling God to act against evil. We're evil too. One of the things I promised you on day one, and I believe that I've kept my promise, is never to hide behind a pulpit, never hide behind a position. I'm broken too. I'm a sinner too. I don't want to be. I'm not proud of it. I'm fighting it, but I lose a lot. I am with you on this journey. We have to get there together. And here, Asif realizes, I called God's wrath down upon evil and then found out we were evil. In chapter 81, Psalm 81, uh, verses 1 through 16, really. Uh, 11, well, 11 through 16, if you just want to read a bit. Uh, they had set up false gods and false idols. He said, I realize now what we've done. And we're the evil. We're the reason this is a problem. Psalm 82, absolute praise song. God is very near. Because there are those days where everything is just, it's all about you and it's beautiful. That's one of them. Psalm 83 is the last one we have from Asaph. And it's really, he combines elements of all the others into this one psalm. Tells God of the evil that God does, asks for God's action. And that was the Bible Jesus read. Next week, we'll look at some messianic psalms, and we have some really exciting things going on next week. But for now, I want you to understand that this period, we're in the period between Lent and Easter. And then that comes that period between Good Friday and Easter, where we talk about Jesus dying, and we're waiting for Sunday morning. That period in between. We live in that period. Jesus has already saved us, but we're not home yet. He's already redeemed us, but we're still in these bodies. We're still on the planet, but it's not our home anymore. We live in between. I'm famous for saying when people ask me where I'm from, nowhere and everywhere. I was raised everywhere. I've told my wife, when I die, cremate me and scatter my ashes in no particular place because I don't belong in any particular place. She's troubled by that. My son isn't. He, told, he patted me on the shoulder and said, don't worry, Dad. We'll pour out your ashes, say a few nice words, flush. It'll be a wonderful service. <laughs> there, there is a cheap nursing home in my future. One of the things that I love about worship ministers, and I really do love worship ministers, is that they think in terms of these songs and how to lead the people through their life in this world in between with these songs. My brain doesn't think like that, and so I, I admire those that do. We need happy songs. We need dirges. We need laments. We need praise songs. We need them all. All aspects of our faith need to be covered in our songs just like they are in the Psalms. This is where you're, it is safe to bring your grief. It is safe to bring your thanksgiving. It's safe to bring your pain. It's safe to bring your joy because this is the safe place, the community of the saints. I know in some churches you might get judged, but 
That's not what God wants, and that's not what we do here. Here you're safe. We are where he was. Well, go ahead and bring your team up, please. I went a bit long in the first one, so I'll go a bit short in this one. I have a long history of being short. <laughs> Would you stand with too, us, please? A little bit too much laughter. Yeah, go ahead and stand. <laughs> Let me close this out. We'll hand it over to them for a few more songs, and we have, we have more to do today. But remember this. We are in the world between, but we are not alone. We have Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the community, and we have the love of the Father. We are not alone. We have God. And the young man who put on God this morning in baptism, wow. You are now prepared for life in the world between. Because we're going to take you there as a community too. Our commitment to you is the same as your commitment to God. We're staying with you all the way home. If you have not yet done that, by the way, come talk to us. We want to help you get home too.